Great to have your company for another episode of LifeWords Q&A. Andrew Morris with David Ray. And over the next 20 minutes or so, we're going to have a chat, particularly uh, this episode, uh, with the themes around the prodigal son, uh, a great parable that Jesus tells in the New Testament. And David, welcome to LifeWords. Thank you. Good to be here. Okay, so we've got three questions that you've tied together for this episode, so let's get involved. And uh, the first question is, we're often urged to repent. Just what is involved in repentance? Yeah, sure, I've lost count of the number of sermons I've preached on repentance or heard talks on repentance, so it's an important subject. Let me give you a little potted definition. It doesn't, It's not exhaustive, but repentance, I figured involves a change of mind and heart and will which leads to a change of action. Let's define it like that. Repentance, a change of mind and heart and will leading to a change of life, a change of action. Now, now in, in, in a, some respects, repentance always sounds very negative, but it's both a no and a yes. You see, I, I turn from what's wrong when I repent, but I also embrace what is right. Uh, someone else has defined it in terms of, of, of involving agreeing with God's view of things. So I agree that that is wrong and I agree that that is right. And so it, it, it is, yes, a negative, but it's also a, a positive. The other thing is, is that repentance is not just regret or remorse. See, there's many of us feel bad about our wrongdoing, but we've got no desire to do anything about it. And I think regret and remorse is a problem because it simply discourages us. I do this particular thing, I say this particular thing, and I regret it, but keep on doing it, and I just feel I'm in a bit of a pit. I'm sort of, uh, I'm, I'm not making any progress. But repentance, in contrast, does give us hope because it's linked with faith. You see, when I turn from my rebellion against God, I embrace following him. So in other words, I say a no but I also say yes. And I think the illustration of that is best seen in the uh, prodigal son story. See, the prodigal son realised he was in a pigsty, which was the worst place of all for a Jewish young man. He'd gone wrong, and he realised it was all his own doing, took responsibility for it. And as the Bible says, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer be worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired hands. You see, this was repentance. He said, I am in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing. I need to do something about it. And he did something about it. He went back home. But I want to make the point there that he, 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 he could only go back home because there was a home waiting for him. In other words, there's no point in him repenting if he didn't believe his father was back home. There's no point in me leaving a bad way of life if there's not a good way of life waiting for me. There's no point in leaving my life of sin if I'm not offered grace. So repentance is, yes, uh, as in the prodigal son, realising I've gone wrong, but also a realisation that there is some hope for me. That's why repentance is not simply a negative thing. It's, it's, a, it's not just, oh my gosh, you, you, you're enjoying yourself and you shouldn't be miserable. How important is it to actually sort of like go, like the, the idea of the old idea, I guess, when I was growing up, you know, I'd pray and I'd start off with going, oh, Lord, I'm a, I'm a sinner. These days I don't really get the, the, the vibe a lot of the time that um, we refer to ourselves as sinners as much as we may have in the past. Yes. We're sort of more victorious. We're, yes. we're saints that, yeah, we, we, we mess up and stuff, but we're, we're, we're loved and we've been forgiven and let's move on and forward and let's... Mm. 
achieve and work. Do you, do, do, do you sort of get what I'm saying? Oh, like, and indeed I do, Andrew. It becomes a case of self-identity. Um, uh, yes, I, I, I've said this to people many times when I've preached and spoken to people that um, you – I do never I would never want to say to a Christian to identify themselves as sinner. I never want to do that. Rather, you are a child of God who sins. Yeah. There's a world of difference between the two. You see, if I say I'm simply a sinner, I don't think that's what how Christ sees me. God sees me in Christ, covered by the perfect offering of Christ. And yet I sin. So there's there's a realism involved here that I'm not only um Yes, I do sin, but I would never want to see myself as a sinner. That's not my that's not my identity marker. My identity marker is I'm a child of God, but I do sin. So in the terms of repentance then, how, how, how does that play out? Like, is it something that, oh, every week I should repent of the sins that I've done this week? Or do I just go, oh, I stuffed up, I'm sorry, God, and just keep moving on? Is it as simple as that? Well, well, I think you do have to, the Bible says you've got to confess your sins. But remember, you don't confess your sins in order to be forgiven all over again. It's not as if on Sunday morning I confess my sin and then I sin on Sunday afternoon, so on Monday I've got to get forgiven all over again. No, I confess my sins in order to show God that I'm sorry for those sins and I'm I'm reminding myself of my helpless dependence on his grace. That's why I confess my sins. I'm not confessing my sins in order to get forgiven all over again. I yep. think that's a big mistake. Yep. But I confess my sins as a reminder to myself, I've gone astray, I've blown it again. God, please help me. Um, so it's not as if I if I've haven't confessed my sins in the last ten minutes and I get hit by a bus that I'm going to die and go to hell. Uh, we're not saying that at all. Uh, so, but repentance is an ongoing thing. Um, it's something that Christian you, you do in order to become a Christian, but you also do in order to maintain health in your Christian life. And, and, and two things about that: repentance is always imperfect. In other words, I repent of my sin on Monday morning. But I may commit that same sin again on Tuesday or a different sin on Tuesday. So repentance is ongoing. It's not just a it's just a one off gesture, not, mm. not a grand gesture. We need to do a lot of repenting. Uh, and 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 every day, I think you've got to do more um, repenting. The other thing um, that that strikes me about repentance, what I struggle with is is that sin is attractive. If it wasn't attractive, you wouldn't do it. I mean, never never let people tell you that sin's terrible and all that. Say, oh, no, ter- sin is extremely seductive and attractive. Um, so what? there are times when I don't even want to repent of my sin. Yeah. Um, and therefore, I have to ask God. I say, give me the grace to repent. Lord, I want to re- I repent of my lack of repentance sort of thing. Yeah. You know, so so I have to ask God to help me find him more attractive. A writer called John Piper, I, I mean, has written a lot on this, the attractiveness of God and so on. Um, and I want to say to God, please help me love you more than I love my sin. So repentance doesn't come easily. Sometimes we've got to even say to God, I haven't even got the desire to repent. Give me the desire. You're listening to LifeWords Q&A. Andrew Morris, David Ray with you. If you would like to subscribe to the LifeWords Q&A podcast, you can hop on to iTunes and just search for LifeWords Q&A. Otherwise, if you want to receive David's daily devotional email uh, each weekday morning, you can subscribe at hope1032.com.au. David, our second question uh, continues the theme of the prodigal son. Is our minister called the parable of the prodigal son, the parable of the older brother? wasn't quite sure what he was getting at. 
Well, there's some truth in that. I mean, some people do call it the parable of the older brother because in one sense, it's the older brother who's the centre of the story because Jesus was telling this parable with a certain audience in mind and the audience was self-righteous, self-satisfied Jewish religious leaders uh, who figured they were all right with God and they were God's little favourites and all this sort of thing. They'd got all the answers and they looked down on sinners and thought God was only interested in people like them. Well, well, the older brother doesn't come out too well here and the older brother is in a sense representative of those Jewish religious leaders and the younger brother is representative of the sort of the poor and the outcasts and the marginalised that Jesus um, particularly re- out to and so they would have been very surprised to hear the prodigal accepted as he was because they would have thought the older brother well he's 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 the good guy and the prodigal's the bad guy but hey jesus overturns it yeah he was there for his father he was working hard so let's paint us a picture of uh of the older brother david yeah the 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 older brother was very much like the religious leaders of jesus time did all the right things and avoided the scandalous sins. Um, uh, the the older brother figured, I've served my time, I'm doing my duty, I'm turning up every day, uh, I deserve special consideration. Now, when you put it like that, we can see that there are many older brothers in our churches today, just so, as there are younger brothers. So what is wrong? What did he do wrong? It, 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 well, it's a good point because we're not saying it was wrong to turn up and do his duty. Oh, no, no, we're not, nor are we saying it was right for the prodigal son to go off to the pigsties in the far country. No, it's it's not a case of, of, of the outward action. It's a case, the problem is the attitude of heart, that, that the older brother is seen to have a deficient attitude in relation to his younger brother. See, he... The fact that he was serving up, serving his father, did all the right things. And remember, a lot of these Jewish religious leaders were doing all the right things. The problems occur or the state of his heart was revealed when his younger brother returned home because he said, why are you making a fuss about this person who's done all these wrong things? In other words, the older brother seemed not to grasp grace. So he wasn't loving his father in a true way. It was conditional. Well, yes, I mean, but but you could argue that that we know from the state of his heart when the younger brother returned that there was something twisted in his heart. But let's even grant that he was serving his father faithfully with a good motive for all those years. Let, 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 let's grant that for a moment. It still showed that there was something deeply deficient in him that he still hadn't grasped grace. You see, many of us can serve God faithfully and do wonderful work in the church but still lack an understanding of grace. Yep. Um, and, and, and I know that I, I come across people again and again who sort of are serving God faithfully and devoutly and so on, but then when you start talking about the fact, well, you know, as, as I said to church the other day, I said, well, look, um, a, a person who rapes a child can be in heaven. A suicide bomber can be in heaven. And, oh, no, they can't. No, they can't. They're bad people. Well, well, no, 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 hang on. Uh, You haven't grasped grace. I'm not saying they will be in heaven. I'm not saying those things are right. But if someone truly repents and comes back to God, even on their deathbed, they can be saved. But the mentality of some Christians who are genuine Christians is, oh, oh, no, 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 oh, that's that's terrible. That's not right. And what they have done is to betray a lack of understanding of the radical nature 
of God's grace. So the older brother's fault was not that he turned up every day to work, not that, but rather he was offended by how his father treated his wandering son. Mm. That was his problem. And there's a little revealing thing in there that I only picked up a couple of years ago, having read The Prodigal Son again, um, that he said, he said, you've never given me a goat or anything for a party for my friends. And the father seems to imply, it seems to come out very strongly, well, you could have had a goat or a party any time you like, but you didn't ask for it. So in other words, this, this older brother could well have been bogged down in this, I'm serving my father, or in our case, I'm serving God. I don't deserve much. I'm not getting much thanks for it. And there's not much celebration or joy in it all, but I'm going to do my duty. So there's a little bit of that in the older brother as well. He's lost sight of grace. He does not seem to want to take opportunities of celebrating the goodness of God because, again, it seems to be the implication is you, you could have a party any time you like, my son, but you haven't asked for it. Um, uh, you know, in other words, you can ha- enjoy all the riches of my grace. So don't sort of turn up your nose when I express grace to your younger brother. Um, there's more to Christian life than just doing our duty and avoiding scandal. I think this older brother had not really understood grace and he has not understood the, the great grace of God in that he didn't ask for a goat or a kid or whatever in order to have a party with his own friends. He never bothered to do it. And number two, when his father did to his younger brother, he um, um, uh, got offended. It's interesting, Andrew, on this, um, I've always asked people when I've preached on this subject and spoken on it to ask yourself with whom you identify. Which brother? Because there are some people in our churches who would say, oh, the younger brother, I've made a terrible mess of my life. There are others of us, and that includes yours truly, who would say, no, I don't think I've wandered into the pigsties of the far country at all much. But I tell you what, I can look at the older brother and think, yeah, I I can identify with that. I know Tim Keller's book, I think it's called The Prodigal God, talks about you know, one of the, the, the key faults of the, the older brother was his pride. Yes. Um, so, yeah, have a read of The Prodigal Son and, and just, uh, yeah, have it with new in and fresh insight, have a look at the both brothers and how they responded to the father. You're listening to LifeWords Q&A with David Ray, Andrew Morris, and we move on to our final question of uh, this episode, David. I have a hard time believing God can really accept me given my past. Surely he can't just forget it all. How is acceptance possible? Yeah, that, that's pretty understandable. Um, but, you know, it shows just how radical Christianity is with its emphasis on grace because, you see, God doesn't forget about your past. God doesn't forget so much. He doesn't forget that I've sinned, as it were, or that you've sinned. Um, but he more or less puts it in its put that sin as it were in its proper place. Um, you see, it's not as if God's shrugging his shoulders or dismissing it. You can't come to God and say, "I've made a terrible mess of my life," and God's saying, "Oh, it doesn't matter. It did matter, and it matters because of the events of Good Friday." He took wrongdoing very seriously. You see, Jesus willingly took on all your wrongdoing, all your guilt when he died on the cross. God accepted what Jesus did. He showed that by raising him from the death. So what that means is Jesus is now accepted by God. Now, if you are trusting in what Jesus has done, if you've embraced what Jesus has done, the necessity of it and the effectiveness of it, well, then what the Bible says you are considered to be in Christ, that is, you share Christ's status. And it's a lovely sort of concept. So I'd have to say to you um, um, that, that if you 
trust in what Jesus has done for you, you are accepted because Jesus is accepted and you, as it were, have joined hands with him. Now, of course, if, 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 if you leave Jesus right out of the picture, uh, exactly, you're exactly right. God can't accept you. He's an utterly holy God and you're unholy. So sorry, it's like oil and water. You can't mix. But because of Jesus, he's bridged that gap. And so no longer am I a condemned sinner, but I'm a child of God. Yes, I've sinned terribly and all that sort of thing, and I may sin terribly in the future. But remember, Jesus' death on the cross covers all your sins, past, present, and future. Um, it, 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 it's not as if there's any fine print um, with the um, what Jesus did on the cross. It's not as if Jesus says, I've died for all your sins, but your particular sins, I'm sorry, they're an exception. Uh, they're not like that at all. And I think really um, we, we've talked in a couple of questions on this segment about the prodigal son, and the prodigal son again illustrates it beautifully because remember this younger son had done really bad things. He'd robbed his father. He'd, he'd obviously been involved in sexual immorality and squandering his money. He was working in pigsties, which to a Jewish young man was just a horror. Um, but but he realised that and he turned back home to admit to his father just how wrong he's been. Now think about it. What, what could be the responses of God to that? And the questioner might be thinking, well, the response of God to this questioner as to the prodigal son might have been to slam the door in his face and say, no, I'm not having nothing to do with you. You've made your bed. You lie in it. Um, he, and nor did the father even give this prodigal son a lecture. Um, he didn't sort of say, now listen here, son, before I let you back in, I'm just going to remind you, wag my finger at you and tell you how terrible you are. Uh, he didn't know that because the prodigal son knew how terrible he was. The father ran to him. He ran to him. That's and hugged him. Exactly right. Um, and so, 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 so he didn't even put him on probation. So uh, this prodigal son parable reminds us that when if, if this question or anyone comes back to God with all their feeling of unacceptability and the terrible sins they've committed and all that sort of thing, what does God do? He throws a party in a poetic sort of imaginary sort of sense. Um, God is not going to wag his finger at you and say, you're a terrible person, what a wicked person you are. Um, You might feel that way about yourself. But the fact is God is actually going to throw a party. He's going to celebrate. And that's what it's like for all of us who come back to God for the first or the hundredth time. We admit our wrongdoing. We accept his mercy and his help in giving us a fresh start. So questioners like this, I think, again, I'm not not condemning the questioner at all, but again, there's a lack of understanding, I think, here of the radical nature of God's grace. It's not as if God accepts most sinners, but there's some he won't. Um, You can... can, no matter how far you've gone away, and the prodigal son's a classic case of gone as far away as you can, uh, you can always come back. Um, I loved what you were saying in terms of uh, the key is Jesus and Jesus' death uh, for our sins and his resurrection. I, I'm reading a book at the moment uh, called Union with Christ. And I think, David, it's, it's a common phrase that we, are, uh, we have a union with Christ. And the author describes it uh, as when he played football and it's American gridiron, he was a small, small guy. And uh, he had a big forward guy that ran in front hmm. and deflected everything off him, o- off him, and protected him. That's and right. uh, and so he was using that description as that's my relationship with Jesus now. Mm-hmm. So Jesus, I am behind in yes. Jesus, yeah, right. and Jesus relates to the Father, and everything that Jesus has, the relationship that Jesus has with the Father, because I'm with Christ, Hmm. I now have that same relationship. You share that destiny, you share that status. So uh, if Jesus is accepted, I'm accepted. Uh, Doesn't mean to say I've never sinned. Doesn't mean to say God has somehow or other 
chemically cleansed his consciousness so he's not conscious of our sin. But what we're saying is that God is not, as it were, looking on my sin. Um, You know, I may have a child who is very rebellious and difficult and so on, and I acknowledge that rebelliousness and difficulty and so on, but I don't see that child in those terms. I see that child as my child. So God is not playing a game of fiction here by sort of pretending that our sin doesn't exist. What he's saying is, I've dealt with it. Mm. I've dealt with it. And now I'm seeing Jesus, but you say, Lord, I'm still sinning, I'm still sinning. And God says, yes, I know. And 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 you reckon you feel bad about your sin um, today. Well, I tell you what, next Thursday week, you're going to commit a real doozy. But I'll still see you as in Christ because Christ's death covers you past, present and future. So, so we don't take that for granted. It is perfectly proper for this question or anyone to struggle with the fact of being accepted by God. That, that, that's quite natural. But don't sort of feel I'm beyond the pale um, because of who I am. The fact is God loves you and wants you in relationship with him. And as long as you turn to Jesus Christ as the means for that, then you are covered, you are accepted. Uh, so Jesus is the key. You've been listening to LifeWords Q&A. David, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Thank you, Andrew. And you can join us next week when we do it all again with LifeWords Q&A. In the meantime, you can subscribe to the podcast in the iTunes store. Just search for LifeWords Q&A. Otherwise, hop on to hope1032.com.au and uh, download previous episodes. And don't forget, David writes a daily email called the LifeWords uh, Daily Devotion, and you can get that in your inbox on your phone or desktop uh, weekdays. So I think it's around 5.30 in the morning. He gets up very early to write these things. Uh, You can uh, subscribe at hope1032.com.au. Till next time, we wish you all the best.